When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm fully aware that the concept of love is blind is like completely deranged. And this entire thing is insane. These people have all known each other through a wall for like four days. But every time one of them gets engaged, I'm smiling. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And I cannot even think of a clever introduction because I'm simply so excited for today's show, which is about one of my favorite topics, reality television. I know, a shocker. Specifically today, we're talking about Netflix's reality dating show, Love is Blind, which recently broke the internet on Sunday night when a highly anticipated live reunion did not go as planned. And by did not go as planned, I mean it was a disaster. But before we get into that, a little backstory, a little context. I know y'all love context. First, you might be asking, why are you talking about reality TV again? The answer is simple, because I'm obsessed with it and the new co-host hasn't started yet. So y'all are still stuck with my personal obsessions. Also, because if you think about it hard enough, which I do a lot, what has social media become if not reality TV made with people's phones? I know. Think about that. I'll let you sit with that for a minute. Now onto the important questions. What is Love is Blind? Like I said before, it's a Netflix reality television series that first aired in 2020. It is currently on its fourth season. And though Netflix is historically um, pretty cagey, about exact viewership numbers, Love is Blind has consistently ranked among the top shows on the platform. The premise is fairly simple and ultimately attempting to answer the very simple question of, is love truly blind? And that is exactly how they say it every single time on the show. Luckily for you, I've written about this show before because like I said, I'm obsessed. So I'm just going to crib from my own writing because it's not plagiarism if you wrote it. On Love is Blind, 15 men and 15 women are separated into dormitories and at first are only allowed to communicate with each other from isolated pods that prevent them from seeing who they're talking to. The prize in this case is not money, but marriage, which only serves to make the entire experiment uncannier. Produced by Kinetic Content, which is also behind Married at First Sight and barely hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey, Love is Blind aims to suss out whether or not love transcends such nebulous concepts as race, age, and physical appearance by having couples get engaged without ever laying eyes on each other. The first few episodes are claustrophobic in how clouded they are. Much like The Bachelor, it's unclear early on who we're meant to focus on as viable couples, so all the entertainment value comes from watching people attempt to flirt through a wall. In the span of four weeks, couples are expected to move in together, meet each other's families, and plan a wedding. A majority of these lab hash engagements don't end, and I do. I know that's a surprise. So that's the first season, and the format largely remained unchanged over the next three seasons. With each consecutive season, the audience around the show only gets bigger, so by the time we're introduced to the cast of the fourth season, Netflix, it's fair to say, has a bona fide hit on their hands. 
And at first, it seemed like they knew that. I'm not alone in thinking this was the best season of the show so far. Up until the reunion. It seemed like they had finally cracked the code of balancing couples who were seeking genuine connection and what we actually want to watch, which is walking, talking disasters in the making. I'm going to give a quick rundown of the cast this season so you will recognize some names later in the show. And before I do, let me just give my first spoiler warning. There will be spoilers. There will be so many spoilers. There will be spoilers for this season. Let me say it again. There will be spoilers. So if you don't want to get spoiled, turn it off. So back to the couples. First, we've got our golden couple, Brett and Tiffany, who are just two of the most beautiful, graceful people I've ever seen on reality television. We love them. I love them. If y'all are listening to this, I love you. Next up, we've got our first love triangle. And I said first because there are several. The corners of this triangle are defense lawyer Zach, human embodiment of a Disney princess bliss, Yes, her name is Bliss, which only makes the Disney princess more. And then there's Irina, who is perhaps the most terrible human being I've ever seen on television. Zach proposes to Irina, breaking Bliss's heart, and then meets Irina and realizes how terrible she is and then proposes to Bliss. Simple. Next up, we've got our second love triangle, though it's more of a square if you think about it. There's Kwame, who's talking to a walking advertisement for the color pink named Chelsea. He's also talking to Micah, who's the second worst person on the show, though it's kind of a close tie and it depends on who you talk to. Micah's also talking to Paul, a scientist who vocal fries harder than I do. Mike and Paul end up engaged. So Kwame is forced to propose to Chelsea. And last up is our final love triangle, the walking, talking disaster of the season, Jackie, who's choosing between soft boy Marshall and Josh, whose most important attribute is that he has cauliflower ears, presumably from fighting. Jackie goes with Marshall, then later decides she wants to be with Josh. More drama ensues. So that's our season four cast. I cannot recommend this show more highly enough, but I haven't even mentioned the most important character in this show. And no, it's not one of the Lachey's. I think they should get fired. No, the most important character is the internet. I have a theory that every single reality television show reaches a point where the internet becomes a silent producer. And obviously I could talk about this forever, but luckily y'all don't have to listen to me monologue. After a short break, I'm going to be joined by none other than Jonquilyn Hill, a reporter and host of Vox's policy and politics podcast, The Weeds. She is also a reality television scholar. We had an absolute blast talking about this literal shit show, and I hope y'all enjoy it. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And I'm back with Jacqueline Hill, reporter and host of Vox's policy and politics podcast, The Weeds. Jacqueline is also a scholar of the only field of study worth funding, reality television. Thank you for joining me. Are you ready to talk about Love is Blind, which is perhaps Netflix's biggest success and also failure? Yeah, I'm well, I'm ready. I saw the debacle take place in real time quote-unquote, in real time. Also, my brain is 50% like federal policy and the other 50% is garbage reality television. So this is perfect. I think that's the perfect mix to have in terms of keeping up with the culture. You have what's going on in the government and then what's going on in people's lives, quote. Exactly. Like, it's it's win-win all around. I can't stop. Ugh, I'm so excited. Before we get into Love is Blind, I usually ask all my guests what their first internet memory is. But since we're talking about reality TV today, I want to ask, do you remember what your first reality television show was? I do. And like, this is going to clock me so easily. I think it was elementary school and I watched the first season of Survivor with my parents And I remember that whole monologue about the rat and the snake, like being very invested in it. Also, like years later, I remember watching the first season of The Bachelor. Like I'm I am not new to this. I am very true to this. I was going to say you've been there since the beginning. Truly. Like I was, you know, learning long division (laughs) and reality TV simultaneously. Again, the most important fields of study (laughs) you really managed to capture for your whole life. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, a scholar of reality television. I mean, that's why you're here. I consider myself a scholar. However, I did not start as strongly as you did. I think my first reality television show was honestly Wife Swap, which I would come home Wait, I love that for you. every single day and watch hours of. That's iconic. And also, do you remember, did you watch like the crappy MTV reality shows like uh, Parental Control and Room Raiders and Next? Like I, that filled my summer. That and like VH1 shows that taught me about pop culture that was happening before I was born. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember watching Flavor of Love. Oh, um, yes. I remember watching the spinoff of Flavor of Love, Charm School with Monique, which was yes. one of the best shows to ever exist in the entire world. The memes that still exist from, like, mm-hmm. the Flavor Flav cinematic universe that I use to this day. Tiffany Pollard? Tiffany on Love is Blind would not exist without <gasps> Tiffany Pollard if we really stop and think about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> not this domino effect. <laughs> she 
owes her so much. Can you say more? Just the idea, like, black women on dating reality TV shows. Tiffany was the first to do it. I mean, we didn't get Rachel Lindsay on The Bachelor until Mm. years later. And literally the only person before that was Tiffany. Like, she was the first reality TV, like, protagonist black woman where it's like, I am here to find love. I am here to prioritize, like, my needs and my wants and find a lover for me. Like, she was the first to ever do it. We would not have it without her. And this is why you're a scholar. You're drawing threads that I didn't even fully see. But now that you've drawn them, I'm like, there they are, clear as day. Yeah, like, I can't I can't shut it off. <laughs> this is why every time, like, I'm not a sports girly, but every time I watch NBA basketball, I'm like, this is Real Housewives. And every time I watch NFL football, I'm like, this is The Bachelor. Like, they are the same. They are all the same. JQ, I shit you not, I just said this not 10 minutes ago that... Reality television and sports are the same thing. They are the same. The amount of men that I have tricked into watching (laughs) reality TV. Just like, oh, yeah, like the game's off. Like, it's Sunday. Let's. And the next thing you know, they're like, who did punch Heather? What do you mean we won't know until next week? Like, who punched Heather? I'm like, we're not going to find out. I'm sorry, sir. We're not going to find out. You're introducing them to the real disappointment, which is actual appointment television watching. Exactly. Exactly. Football games don't don't care. Everyone knows who wins immediately, but we won't know. Like we have storyline. There are things happening. We get a reunion at the end. Could you imagine if the Warriors and the Sacramento Kings had a reunion after whoever wins like that series? Imagine that if you're just like, let's all sit down and talk about it. Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Imagine. I think we just gave the NBA a free idea, but we do actually have to get into the rest of the show. Yes. So let's get into today's topic, which is love is blind. I'm going to give one final warning. I gave one before the break. There will be spoilers ahead. There is no way to talk about this show right now without spoiling what's happened. So it's currently Wednesday. This episode's coming out on Wednesday. Y'all should have watched already. It's not my fault. It's true. Now that I've given the disclaimer, love is blind. Maybe Netflix's best invention, just a delectable concoction of a reality television show. It's a dating show that's created by the same production company behind Married at First Sight. And Love is Blind has a very similar premise, which is at the beginning of the season, there are around like 10 to 12 men, 10 to 12 women who are going on a series of blind dates with each other. They're in what the show calls and references as the pods. You cannot (laughs) watch the show without hearing the phrase the pods. 20 million times and the pods are these little rooms with couches which are kind of like a therapist's office except on the other side of the wall is the person you're dating and the only way to get to meet the people that you're dating is to propose to them it's beautiful it's gorgeous they have to get married after three weeks it has all the drama you could possibly want the fourth season is currently airing but i want to know when did you first start watching the show so i was in on the first season because you have taste And this was like right before the pandemic. Honestly, I'm kind of like, I wish they would have held it for the pandemic because I think it would have given, it would have been very relatable in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was there from the beginning, that first love triangle. I was there for Lauren and Cameron, who used to be the only couple in the Love is Blind Hall of Fame. And now there are more among them. 
But yeah, I've been in it for the beginning. I remember distinctly because it was right before, you know, things got serious with the pandemic. I remember watching the final weddings at my friend's house, watching Gigi run off. I've never seen a woman run off like that. It was so iconic. Giannina running from the camera in that wedding dress, tripping down a hill. We couldn't have asked for anything better. My favorite thing about her, whenever she and Damien would fight, the way I describe it, it was like if you described what a relationship conflict was to two aliens and they said, okay, go do that. Because all the time I'd be like, what are y'all talking about? Why are you talking about it like this? What? What? Exactly. But there's this moment when Giannina says, you know how you tell me this is the best sex of your life? Have you noticed that I don't return the compliment? I don't say it's the best sex of my life too. It's literally burned into my brain. I think about it every day, every single day. The fight they were having had nothing to do with that. At all, at all, at (laughs) all. It just came out of nowhere. (laughs) I aspire to be that chaotic in my life. So I actually reviewed the first season of Love is Blind for Slate. And so this was before anybody knew what it was. I just saw them promoting it and I was like, this is my shit. I haven't seen a single moment of this, but just the premise sounds like my shit. So I got to see everything, all like the entire season from beginning to end in one run about a month before everyone else did. And as soon as I finished it, I was like, this is a show that has to be consumed communally. This is not a show you can watch by yourself. I need to know what the internet is going to say about this show because it just has that it factor where you immediately need to know what everyone else is saying or if anyone else has clocked the weirdness of what's going on. This show has made me spend so much time on Reddit that I haven't spent in such a long time because I'm just like, what What are the girls saying? What does mm-hmm. everyone think of? I'm like, okay, we're aligned. I think what's interesting about Love is Blind and what makes it different from A Real Housewives, for instance, is there's more of a consensus. Like when I watch mm-hmm. Real Housewives, there are people who see it for Giselle and people who don't. There are people who are like, hand Candace her tissue and people are like I never want to see that tissue again in my life (laughs) love is blind somehow I don't know how they do it but we tend to all be on one accord yes yes and it's the most on one accord especially regarding dating especially heterosexual dating because as one of them I can let you know the straights are not okay but this is the Mm -hmm. only time that like we are all on one accord when it comes to dating it really is stunning and it makes me want to ask what do you think it is about this show that makes it so discussable It's just a show that's perfect for social media. You mentioned being on Reddit more than you have in a while. Same. I only go on Reddit for reality TV. I think it's the premise. Like, one, it's different. And, you know, we're now in this, you know how there's late stage capitalism. We're in late stage Mm -hmm. reality TV where there are just so many different kinds of dating shows. And one, it's refreshing. It makes sense that it's from the same creators as Married at First Sight, but it does allow people to actually get to know each other. I also think it's interesting because of the way we date now. Like, it's just, it's not traditional, but it still has hints of tradition. Like, you know, oh, you got to get to know a person. Like, you're going to go on a vacation. Like, for instance, with The Bachelor, it at times feels very archaic the way they do it and the Mm -hmm. order they do things. Versus this show, it's better than swiping but it makes a lot more sense. I also think because we all have pandemic brain now, the idea of like talking to someone 
on the phone a bunch and then like moving to in together not too soon after does not seem as far-fetched as it used to be pre-2020. I think that is so true. They picked a perfect time to put the show out, even though they couldn't have known. The first season of Love is Blind was filmed two years before it dropped. It didn't have, like, a home, basically, for two years. The couples didn't know if it was ever actually going to air by the time it aired. Wow. Yeah. Which is what makes the premise of it so incredible is just like oh y'all just really capitalized on a moment what you mentioned about it still managed to be traditional does make a lot of sense because i've noticed one of the first things the contestants say to their parents when they introduce them is we got married sight unseen so you know it's not just a lust thing like you know that i'm actually in it for the right reasons yeah it's like i didn't see his face and think it was cute Mm -hmm. like we talked we talked for 10 days (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the thing is, there are so many reality TV shows out there. I think we've mentioned at least six in the past 10 minutes. But not all of them managed to kind of organically create this much of a culture of live tweeting. I just want to give a sense of scale, which is the Love is Blind subreddit has half a million members. And that doesn't include people like me who just lurk without joining. (laughs) Um, The top two hashtags on TikTok have a combined four billion views. When the live reunion debacle went down, which we'll get to, the top four trending topics for the whole night were about Netflix and Love is Blind. Most shows don't have that level of impact, especially four seasons in. No, I think this was an excellent season. Like, it harkened Mm -hmm. back to the first season. So, to be honest, I watched the first season. I watched the second season. What monsters? The third season, I wasn't in the loop for it and I was told that was for the best this season was great PR for men so true yeah like I I'm just like oh wow okay all right okay not as bad as we like all right like opposite of city boys the city boys are not up the men are up and I'm like country men are up the country men country men up 1000 I was like oh wow wow I don't know I think we do love to watch a show together and this it does like kind of remind me of those early days of like survivor the bachelor Mm. but it takes a lot to get that many people on board like on f boy island you're not seeing like the same type of prolific tweets you don't even see them about love island though maybe perhaps they should have those tweets and maybe that's an american problem but yeah They kind of managed to capture lightning in a bottle, which only makes what happened with the reunion even funnier. (sighs) But before we get into that, let's talk a bit about this season. My theory for this season as to why it's so good is that it's at a very important inflection point, which is that the first season, there's no real motivating factor besides actually when and get married because they didn't know if the show was ever going to air. And then... The next two seasons were filmed at the same time. So Mm. the full Love is Blind effect hadn't really happened yet. You didn't see these people get famous. Not really. And the kind of established cast member to influence or pipeline of shows like The Bachelor just wasn't quite present. But this season, the fourth season, is where I think you kind of start to see the influencerfication of the contestants, especially in people like Micah and Irina. And I think despite how much people hate them they gave what needed to be given. And oh, so, absolutely. Could you explain these two characters to the people who have not seen the season and how they kind of fit into this very much there for the wrong reasons? Yeah, so 
Micah and Irina were definitely the resident mean girls of Love is Blind. Not only, you know, upsetting their partners at various times, um, but also upsetting the other women that they were staying with in the pods, like laughing at their tears. You know, when one is having an emotional time about who to pick, they're just laughing like, oh my gosh, can you believe? Like sneaking around, just overall very, very mean, catty high school behavior. Like imagine the two girls you did not like in high school. It's them. Except now they are in their mid twenty, early to mid twenties, which mm-hmm. I think has a also a reason why uh, they were the villains. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I don't know. Whenever I see someone under the age of twenty seven or even thirty go on a reality marriage show, I'm like, why are you doing this? Same. Why are you trying to be a child bride? Why do you want that? Especially when they're like, I've been worried that I wasn't going to get married, and they're like 27 and i'm just like you just had to start paying for your own health insurance that's what i'm saying i'm like you need to your priority needs to be your copay that needs to be your priority (laughs) like pay down that deductible baby before you start looking for an engagement ring (laughs) hello i'm just like mm y'all there's life to be lived but yeah they were just these catty mean girls they also got into it with one another Mm -hmm. Irina, in particular was very uh cruel to her ex-fiance like she did not like him but she was very mean about not liking him mm-hmm. you know people were meddling in one another's relationships the three youngest women on the show were the root cause of a significant amount of drama and you know i support women's rights and women's wrongs yes. but there were moments where i was like ladies ladies we have to stop what are we doing <laughs> This has to end. It's just honestly so beautiful to me, I'm going to be honest. The drama of this season (laughs) that can only be produced by people who are fame-seeking is just stunning. Because the thing about the previous seasons is that up until this point, it felt like there were definitely terrible people on this show. Shake? Shake. Bartise? Barqueef. Terrible human beings on the show, but I always got the sense that had they met the right person, they would have gotten married. Yeah. They actually believed in the concept of the show. Whereas this season, it really did feel like at least Irina never would have gotten married. No. Micah, I started to believe maybe would have, but it just felt like she was just there for fame. And the fact that the producers kept her in makes me feel like this show is really like at an inflection point of social media becoming the unspoken character in the room. I really hope that they keep the equilibrium it's at right now because it really is perfect. It's the perfect mix of like fighting, fame seeking, like shallow, what is going on? What are you doing? To like, oh wow, what a beautiful, mature love story. Mm-hmm. I love seeing like people in their 30s be like, you know what? Let's do it. And then two black people doing it with each other. I was like, oh, my gosh, turn this up. Turn it up. Literally run it back. We are, of course, talking about Tiffany Pennywell and Brett Brown, who were the oldest contestants on the season. They were both 36, 37 ish. And they're both black. And they had not a single ounce of drama from the very beginning. They were clocked in. Tiffany did fall asleep on him in the pods once, but 
if you look closely, my girl had been sipping on some Casamigos and I would have fallen asleep as well. Well, that is what she said. Like, they both have the same favorite tequila, Casamigos, also Mm -hmm. one of my favorites. And he would leave a bottle in there for her. And he was like, oh, like, let's talk. Let's take a shot. The amount of times that, like, a man has given me a tequila drink and I've fallen asleep in the middle of him speaking. (laughs) That's his fault. That's not. Exactly. No. What did you expect? No, I'm going to bed. Like I'm going to bed right now. Uh, so sweet. And his pants, like, all their drama was over his pants and her mm-hmm. being sleepy. It was yep. very precious it all was. around. It was the sweetest thing in the world. Meanwhile, almost every single other contestant on this show had to put out a statement after. <laughs> oh, child, yes. Which, again, makes me feel like you can really tell how much bigger the show's impact is by how many of them felt the need to respond because they're getting a level of pushback and criticism that just didn't exist for the first few seasons. So Micah, who we mentioned, just typical mean girl, had to write a statement that says, I have apologized privately to the people that were hurt on this show by my hands. She also said, I would like to apologize publicly. An emotional immaturity was shown and I will grow from it. To the viewers I've hurt, I'm sorry I've triggered so many of you with my behavior. Seeing that person on the screen would make me feel the same anger. I was stunned that Miss oh, she put out she a She was statement. not playing around. Like, And that's the thing. They knew it was bad immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately. And responded immediately. Mm-hmm. Which, again... The show's power, the level of impact that it has. Irina gave a statement. We're going to play a little bit of it now. Hi, I want to start off by saying um, sorry that this video is a little delayed. I really wanted to take some time to process everything that has been going on this past week and really get my thoughts together before I responded. Um, The first thing I want to say is that I have privately apologized to the people that I have hurt and mistreated. And um, second of all, I wanted to say I'm so, so sorry for the people that watched the show that felt frustrated, angry, hurt by the way that I was mistreating people on the show. It was very immature and naive um, of me in a lot of those situations. And I just want to say that Zach, Bliss, Amber, Jackie, Micah, none of those people deserve to be treated the way that I treated them. And then Zach One of the other contestants on the show had to pull out receipts to combat an unflattering edit that was given to him where it seemed as if he was claiming credit for writing a song that he didn't write. I have this theory, which is that every single reality TV show hits a point where the internet becomes like that unspoken character in the room. Mm, And I think Love is Blind has hit that point. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would say even before this season started... I think it began a little bit with Shake in season two. Mm -hmm. But again, I did not watch the third season, but I know that we do not like Bartise. Like, I got beef with him, too. I don't know what he did. Actually, I did see a clip of him on another reality show referring to a woman as a strong black woman, and it made me want to rip off my fingernails and eat them. And so I was just like, I'm not participating in this, no. A fair reaction, honestly. But yeah, the it's definitely like reached that point. And I hope I hope it doesn't muddy it. Like mm. it's so like it really is so good and I don't want it to be taken over by the influencer aspect. I think the fact that they go to different cities is good. Mm-hmm. Because you know, if it was just all LA, 
or like all New York or all sort of these entertainment towns, I think it would fundamentally change. Yeah, I definitely agree that this show taking place in L.A. or New York would 100% change the vibe. Do I want to see a New York season? Definitely. But what I wanted to see more was a live reunion. And we didn't get that. We are going to talk about the disaster of this live show in quotes that happened this past Sunday after a short break. Hi, y'all. If you love our podcast, then please consider subscribing to Slate Plus. When you subscribe to Slate Plus, you get no ads on any Slate podcast. You will also be supporting the show. In case you missed it, it would not be possible without the support of Slate Plus subscribers. You will also get bonus segments or episodes on shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, Mom and Dad are Fighting, and Dear Prudence. You'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means you get access to every single article and advice column on Slate without ever hitting the paywall. To sign up, just visit slate.com slash ICYMI plus. That is slate.com slash ICYMI plus. Love is Blind reunion was supposed to be Netflix's second ever live event on the streaming network, but viewers were left blindsided when the highly anticipated series finale was delayed and plagued by technical glitches. It wound up airing two hours late, but only a fraction of the viewing audience was even able to find it. Recently, Netflix has decided to dip its toe into live shows, live events. Um, I've heard some people say that it's because they want to get in on the sports market. Um, Mm. Other streaming platforms like Peacock and Hulu stream sports and I'm told that people enjoy sports so it makes sense (laughs) I don't know anything about sports but I do know a lot about reality television and live reunions are usually a hit or a miss and Netflix did a big old miss big big miss they were going to live stream love is blind reunion if you watch love is blind you probably got served some kind of promo about how the event was going to be live. It was their second ever live stream special. The first one was Chris Rock's recent um, thing, which to my knowledge went without a hitch, maybe because not a lot of people watched it. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But this reunion very much didn't because after hyping up this reunion being live for weeks on end, thousands of people logged on to Netflix at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. People were having events. They were sitting in their home. It was like an actual Bachelor episode, only for all of us to get an error message and to keep getting that error message for a full hour, the entire runtime of the originally slated reunion. So before we get into the internet's reaction, what was yours? What were you feeling staring (laughs) That Netflix era screen. Pay me a picture. Let me set the stage for you because I feel very fortunate mine. So I went to like a rooftop with a drink with some friends. It was oh. nearby. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's feeling like summer. I'm listening to Afrobeats. I'm going to pick up some food, go to my friend's house, and we're going to watch Love is Blind. Can't wait. So I go. I get my food. I'm like, great. I can't wait to eat this during the show. There, <laughs> I'm like at my friend's house. We're in her apartment. I'm like eaten a little bit and we go and we're like okay and we're like oh it's this weird screen where it's like starting soon do 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 Mm -hmm. and we're like oh they should have showed like a preview or something like or like you know have some commercials be like this is what we have coming up but whatever so we're watching that and eight o'clock comes and it hasn't started Mm -hmm. and then my friend looks at the screen and she notices says oh it says starts around eight Mm -hmm. and we're like child okay (laughs) so time is passing time is passing 
And it still isn't. And my friend's like, oh, should I click out of it? And my other friend looks at her phone and being like, and is like, no, people straight up can't get in. We got to mm-hmm. stay. So now it feels like freaking getting Beyonce tickets, <laughs> just standing in this queue. Don't know when it's going to happen. I was triggered. Yeah. Oh, deeply. I was like, oh, my God. This is like when I couldn't secure the scissor bag. This is terrible. <laughs> Don't remind me. Uh-huh. And so time passes. T- Next thing we know, it's nine. Mm hmm. All the food is gone. <laughs> the food has been gone. I was very hungry. My homegirl's like, I watch Succession, but I don't usually watch it live. But should I watch it live since my TV is on now? Like, what should I? Yeah. So we just stay. And then eventually, literally, I'm like, all right, guys, calling my Uber. I call my Uber. They're like seven minutes away. And I'm like, well, that's a long wait. It literally begins. And I'm like, well, I guess I... I guess I'm, I'm staying for another I hour. I cancel my car and now I'm watching. That is a better story than mine because you got in. I did not get in. My producer, Daisy Rosario, had to find me a stream of the reunion (laughs) on Twitch so that I could prepare this episode because despite the fact that it was promoted as live, that it was going to start at 8, it didn't start till, what, 9.15? And a lot of people could not get in to watch the stream. Somehow, only a select few were able to see it. So even if you decided to stay through that entire thing, you wouldn't necessarily be able to watch it. And they decided to just drop it at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time the next day. Oh, And no. I'm just like, you promised me an 8 p.m. live show, and now you're not even dropping it in the same day? But the thing is, watching it, they were like, oh, we just recorded this. So they went ahead and recorded it. And also, as I was watching, the mouths were not matching with the lips. It was glitching. There were mic issues. I think you and I probably should have hosted uh, the reunion? Oh, we would have been impeccable. It would have been incredible. Actually, Netflix, get at us. Like, hello? <laughs> like, we know how to run a live event at the very least. At the very least. At the, at the very... <laughs> listen, I know how to ask the hard questions. And I know how to say, okay, but it's a yes or no. This is a yes or no. Is it, It's okay. a yes or no question. Yes, yes, yes. Before we get into how much of a failure the actual union was... I'm going to go back to Sunday night when half the internet was just reacting to not being able to see what was going on. <laughs> it was maybe the funniest time <laughs> online <laughs> in recent years. I'm going to read some of my favorite tweets about this. The first one is Netflix's statement because it's hilarious. <laughs> it's to everyone who stayed up late, woke up early, gave up their Sunday afternoon. We are incredibly sorry that the Love is Blind live reunion did not turn out as we had planned. We're filming it now and we'll have it on Netflix as soon as humanly possible. Again, thank you and sorry. It's embarrassing. Like, that is so, like, are you not embarrassed? Are you not embarrassed? I'm embarrassed for you. (laughs) Someone somewhere right now in a corporate boardroom is being reamed out just absolutely taken to task because this could have been a huge moment for Netflix to prove that they have the ability and the like capacity to run live events and they didn't it didn't work at all crazy yeah like i'm like like imagine like now i'm writing fan fiction but imagine <laughs> if like Back when Beyonce did Coachella, she was like, actually, I'm going to stream the performance live instead of on title on Netflix. Or imagine if they're like, you know what? 
Netflix has the Super Bowl. No, absolutely not. No, no. They are going to have to really... And the thing is, I do love a comeback story. I do love... <laughs> I, I know that we fall down and that we get up. They're going to have to be like, we have Frank Ocean at Coachella. Here you go. Like, they're going to have to pull mm-hmm. out something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are going to have to pull out something to make us trust them again with a live event. Yes, and not just us, their shareholders. I cannot Child. imagine that you are looking at this as someone who invests in Netflix or holds stakes in Netflix and you're thinking, what is Netflix's next big move because they laid off all these people and got rid of this website that everyone loved and are no longer are canceling a ton of shows. Okay, their next thing is live events. And then seeing this... And don't raise my prices again. Do not. Because y'all snatched that $16 out of my account. On time, every single month. On time. And then it wasn't just us who were sitting here being like, this is wild. All of Netflix's enemies got together and decided to (laughs) kick them while they were down. Bravo tweeted, we would never keep you waiting for a reunion, which is just hilarious. I'm sorry. (laughs) Blockbuster rose from the grave. I didn't know they had a Twitter I don't know who's who's running the Twitter. Until that night, I did not know they had a Twitter. I have a lot of questions, but they tweeted, remember renting VHSs from us? You could start it on time, no problem, dot, dot, dot. This is what we get. Blockbuster. <laughs> like, can you imagine getting absolutely handed your ass by a ghost? Because that's no. what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the person you killed is back from the dead to laugh at you at your lowest moment. Hilarious. Hulu tweeted a meme of Kerry Washington just saying, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It was the funniest thing in the world. And then there were just the memes. My favorite one was using that Eric Andre clip. (laughs) (laughs) And people were just saying, me trying to get into the Love is Blind Live right now. Someone tweeted about how it reminded them of April 2020 waiting to get... (laughs) into a Zoom meeting. <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez got in on it. And Not tweeted. AOC. She said, someone call Lucia the seamstress to fix this. I believe in her. Lucia the seamstress is someone who fixed one of the groom's pants last minute during the wedding episode. I just, I just can't come back to anything other than this is embarrassing. And the fact that this is the, the liveest I've seen my timeline, I feel like, since Trump got covid I, oh, oh, yeah, for sure. It certain. united so many different parts of my timeline. People who I didn't even know are watching Love is Blind. Like, literally, I'm just like, I love this foreign correspondent. What great yep. nuance. To, oh, you can't watch it either? That's crazy. That's crazy. No, exactly. My favorite sociologist is tweeting about not being able to... What? <laughs> <laughs> What is going on? And that's the thing, too, because, like, this is their moment. Like, this is highly watched. People are invested. People are like, you got the goods. Yes. And then just to be like, and they didn't have to do it this way. No one asked for a live reunion. They could have said, you know what? We'll record it this day. We'll put it out on Sunday. Or like, oh, next Friday, reunion time, which to me would have made sense. It's like Friday, going to get the reunion. I also think could have benefited from the pre-record. Although the pre-recorded portion I saw was not giving. So beyond the streaming failure, the actual event was kind of a failure. The actual reunion. Maybe the hosts of the show are Vanessa and Nick Lachey, who you might know, one of them was formerly married to Jessica Simpson, and that's the most important thing either of them have ever done. Let's be real here. But they host Love is Blind, which means that they're there for five minutes for the entire show and also host the reunion 
And what's wild to me about the reunion is that it felt like half of it was spent on addressing social media rumors. So one of the contestants hiring an actor to play his sister or another contestant touching a bridesmaid butt after saying no to his bride at the altar. They literally pulled out TikTok footage. But then half of the most egregious social media rumors that have come out since the show aired, like leaked texts that detailed homophobia, just weren't addressed in any substantial way. Like the couple at the center of the controversy was allowed to do a pre-recorded call in. What? And not only a pre-recorded call-in, but the least hard-hitting one I've ever seen. Just like, like treated like America's sweethearts. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was racking my brain. I was like, what married couple would do a very good job hosting something like this? Like I, I'm mentally, I'm trying to think of like mm. who would, who would do a better job. I don't even think they need to be married. I don't even care about that part. Just get someone in there who can ask a single hearted question or anything that people are saying online, or at least if you're going to talk about online, which is, again, this silent character in this show, especially in reunion setting, you can't half-heartedly address it because then it's very clear that you're cherry-picking a narrative and you have favorites. Like, and that's the thing, too. Like, I wish they would have been more straight up and straightforward. I wish the time would have been more even on who we hit hard. Like, for instance, why was that much time spent on, like, sorry, Paul's boring. Why did we spend that much time going in on Paul? And granted, I think we should go in on everybody in this show. Like, I was iffy on Kwame during the whole season. I saw it and he was like, my edit, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm glad we addressed that. But, uh, Even when it came to addressing Marshall and what he was alleged with saying, I'm like, can we just straight up ask both of these questions head on? Like nothing was done head on and not enough time was spent with the couples who were like really into each other. Mm -hmm. They didn't bring anything up about like, hey, Bliss, do you feel better about being Zach's second choice? Like it was lackluster. It was not giving what it was supposed to have gave. It's not, which is, again, really striking for a lot of reasons. The technical failure is embarrassing but then the actual substantial content failure that they had control over and had an extra hour and a half to prepare because (laughs) the live stream wasn't working the fact that that also sucked ass just makes me feel like netflix and i've had this feeling for a while netflix doesn't know what it's doing no any way shape or form it doesn't actually know when it has something good in its hands and if they do they then fuck it up yeah it was just so disappointing i was like this is the crown jewel right now mm-hmm. and you just threw in the toilet like it uh, I I just want to know I was like who produced this who wrote the questions what is going on like we need to call in reinforcements where's Monique where's Andy Cohen I don't even like Andy Cohen but Andy Bring Cohen at the Andy. very least would have figured it out Nicki Minaj did better when she hosted the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion that's what I'm saying and I know there's a celebrity that watches does Chrissy Teigen watch uh, Love is Blind probably Get her, uh, get her and John Legend out there. Actually, <laughs> honestly, low key. Well, I feel like John would be the nice one, and yes. she would be the one to be like, she'd be the messy one. Yeah, and you know she spends a lot of time online, so she knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. She can't help herself. Yeah, that's actually who. Listen, Netflix, we out here giving you so many free we ideas. You're welcome. S- you're so welcome. I could truly talk about this forever. Um, <laughs> but my last question is, how do you think reality TV shows like this, or even just Love is Blind specifically, should handle social media? Because it really feels like this kind of 
cherry-picked shit at the moment where they they choose what to respond to even if something else is objectively bigger online yeah i think one you kind of have to fold it in because it's just a fact of life now like the same way it's like ooh, sight on scene away from friends and family you're also away from the internet like Mm -hmm. let's acknowledge that and then I just don't, like, do not stick your head in the sand. If you see something trending, I know y'all are all on Twitter. I know y'all all read the Reddits. Like, go there and be like, you know what? I saw it. Let's address it. Like, yes. I used to work on a live radio show, and we would get our comments from social media. And even if it was sort of like, if I'm getting the same tweet over and over and over again, I'm going to push it on to the host and be like, we need to address this. This is what the people are asking. Like, it's got to happen. Or saying like, hey, we see that you're all talking about this. That is a topic for a different day. But we got you. Mm -hmm. We will come back to this at a later date. And I just wonder, is it because they aren't online? Like, I, as a person who is so online, the idea of not being online, having that job and not being online is so foreign to me. I don't think it's that. Because, again, when they pulled out a TikTok of a contestant touching someone who wasn't his bride's butt, that TikTok had come out maybe two to three days before the live, in air quotes, event aired. Meanwhile, these texts that were circulating where it seemed like one of the contestants was being homophobic towards her fiancé have been floating around for, I would say, at least two weeks now and have been a big deal on both Twitter and Reddit. So I don't know what they're doing. I don't either. And also, they kind of danced around the text i wish they would have shown them on screen same also there was a piece of tea offered about her former partner where i'm just like y'all gonna skip over this i know his dms look crazy right now i know his dms look wild right now i know they are flooded right now i'm just like wow we didn't address any of this Mm -hmm. they don't know what they're doing it's just like uh you know how they say youth is wasted on the young reality tv is wasted on executives who don't appreciate it All right, that is the show. I'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss a dissertation on the reality television show that I'm currently obsessed with. Please leave a rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Tell your pod mates about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, why can't I watch the Love is Blind reunion right now? And you can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks and me, Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online or in the pods. <laughs>